All right, well, hey, this morning I'm going to read from a translation of the Bible that we don't typically use at Messiah, but I wanted today to read from the message version because there's such a beauty in the language. And I'm gonna be reading from Ephesians chapter five, verses 21 to 33, and in here Paul is writing about the relationship between husband and wife. But at the same time, he's also speaking about the relationship between Christ and his church. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. Wives, understand and support your husbands in a way that shows support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So, just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, Wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring out the best of her, addressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant and with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and cares for it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are members of his body. And this is why a man leaves father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it all. But what is clearest to me is the way Christ treats his church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. This is God's word. Oh, good morning, I hope you are doing well. How am I doing? Hey, thanks for asking. Truth be told, I'm doing fantastic. I am doing just great. And at the same time, I'm slightly freaking out. Just a little bit, you see. In just six days, I'll be walking my oldest daughter down the aisle. Yeah, I've never done that before. Oh, I've been uh, to plenty of weddings. I've officiated about 85 of them so far, but it's always been on the other side. I've always been the pastor. But this Saturday, I'm going to be the dad, the father of the bride. And I'm so happy for Janie and so happy for Max. He's, he's getting a great father-in-law. <laughs> and, you know, and I've been, I've been praying for her and just the right one for many, many years, ever since she was a little kid. Why? Why did I pray this for her? And why do I continue to pray this for my other children? Why marriage? Well, it's because I love it so much. I, I suppose there's nothing better than when a marriage is working right. Oh, for sure, it takes a lot of work. It takes commitment and submitting, which is really just giving up your right to be first. 
It takes love and it takes honor and a lot of apologizing and forgiving and understanding. It's about sacrifice and serving and give and take and it's totally worth it. It's a great gift. I feel the same way about the church. The analogy is not mine, of course. It actually goes all the way back to the Old Testament, and Jesus expressed the same in the New Testament, as did the Apostle Paul. It's like a marriage. Christ is the groom, the church is his bride. The relationship between husband and wife is likened to the relationship between Christ and his people, the church. So then, why church? Why marriage? Well, this morning I'm gonna be talking about both and substituting and each interchangeably, and it's gonna get confusing, I sure hope it does. I might be describing marriage at one point and you'll be thinking that I'm talking about the church. Or I might be talking about the church, but it's gonna sound a whole lot like marriage. Now, you don't have to be married to get this. Great friendships and other loving relationships work in similar ways. Not in all ways, but in most ways. However, the comparison that the scriptures use over and over again to describe the church is marriage. It's more of an art than a science. It's never about a honey-do list. It's about the heart. It's about love, of course, but there's a better word for it. Commitment. The Bible refers to it as a covenant relationship. Okay, what's, what's a covenant? Well, it's a promise in which a kind of bond is made, in which it's far more personal than a legal or a business relationship, and, and yet, at the same time, it's stronger and more binding and unconditional than one that is solely based on feelings or just affection. There's really nothing quite like it. It begins with a promise, a vow. Now, words are so important. It's what makes a wedding a wedding and a marriage a marriage. It comes down to words. It's what makes the lost found and a sinner a saint. Words are so important. If you've been baptized, then you know that a great promise was made to you. God said, I choose you. I'm yours. I'm all yours, and you are mine. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's a promise. See, your Lord will live up to his end always. You may fail. Wait, strike that. You will fail. You may even run away. You may forget all about your commitment, but he never will. But here's the thing, you can go your own way because he's not gonna force you to stay. He won't force you to love him. He won't make you. He won't force the relationship because love doesn't work that way. That's not how loving relationships work. So it's sad but true that breakups happen all the time probably because there's no such thing as a perfect marriage and there's no such thing as a perfect church. That is for sure because the church is full of sinners. 
and it is run by sinners of whom I am the worst. I mean, I am a pastor. I should know better, and I do know better. And yet, sin is right there with me everywhere I go. You know the feeling. That's why forgiving commitment is so important. Commitment lasts when feelings fade. Now, typically at a wedding, I'll say something about this because if anything, weddings are not about the present, but they're about the future. A wedding shouldn't primarily be a celebration of current love. That's assumed, that's, that's a given. Rather, a wedding is where you stand before God and you make a promise to be loving, to be faithful to one another in the future, no matter what. That's why I love Confirmation Day. The kids stand up and they say some important words. They acknowledge the past, but then they also make promises about the future. They pledge to remain faithful to Jesus. Now, they will even suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from him. It's a beautiful thing. If you are confirmed, do you remember it? Do you remember your vows? Do you remember the promise you made to God? Oh, there's so much that I love about the church, and I know I'm not gonna have time to cover it all, but so we're gonna save that for our new series, which kicks off next week, and we're, it's gonna be great. We're gonna cover um, the things that, that we value around here, the things that matter most. We're gonna be talking about serving, we're gonna be talking about community and making disciples and the importance of the next generation, and we're calling it This Is us. This is who we are, and I really hope that you're a part of that because we need you to be a part of it. But let's circle back to commitment. Commitment, commitment is what demonstrates love. Commitment's more. Commitment demonstrates love. Commitment takes the relationship to a whole nother level. When you say, I'm going to commit to you, that you've just taken it to a new place because commitment says, I'm with you, and I'm for you, and we are in this thing together no matter what. That's commitment, and when you have commitment, I'm both, oh wow, there's nothing you can't do. Hey, you know what takes a really great relationship and really turns it into a lousy relationship? What is that thing? I'll tell you what it is, it's selfishness. When it all of a sudden gets turned around, and all of a sudden it becomes more about getting than giving. When it's all about me, and it's all gonna be about my wants and my needs and my preferences. Having it my way, oh wow, watch out. The end is near. And the same thing can happen in a church. It happens to the best of us. It all gets turned around somehow. I guess over time, if you're not paying attention, it can start to, to be all about me. As an aside, I, I just want to speak uh, to those who just aren't interested in being a part of a church. I get it. I get it. A uh, church is full of weirdos. I know, because I'm one of them. I'm the biggest weirdo in town. Nevertheless, come join us. 
Come join us. And if you do, see, here's our commitment. We're gonna do our best to love you and serve you, care about you, and connect you to Jesus. Now, I know, I know this, that you can love Jesus, yes, and you can believe in Jesus, awesome. You can be saved by Jesus, thank you, without being a part of the church. That is true. I know, I know. You do not have to commit yourself to a church or give to a church or serve at a church or worship at a church and God still loves you. Oh yes, he does. If you are with Jesus, then whatever you do or don't do, God will make the good of it. He will because God loves you. However, however, you're never gonna know the good that he has prepared for you through his church. You'll never know the good that you could have had. You worship, you serve, you give, and you're gonna know something. You're gonna feel something. Your relationship is gonna grow as you do this stuff, just like in marriage. It will deepen. And you'll know a different kind of joy, and you'll have the blessing of, you know, kind of going along with God's plan, because you see, he wants the closest relationship with you. He doesn't want an ordinary, he wants the closest relationship with you possible. And he wants you to know the good that comes from belonging and the sweet enjoyment that's found in the life of his church. You see, the whole idea of church and the whole idea of marriage it was designed by God, started by God for your blessing. It's not a chore, it wasn't a curse, it was for your blessing, it was for your good, so that you'd be better. Now, to those of you who call Messiah home or maybe you have another church home, let me ask you, where are you at in your relationship? Do you feel the same today as when you first started out? Or have you lost that loving feeling? Does it seem like a chore? But tiring. Well, here's an interesting stat. A longitudinal studies have revealed that two-thirds of unhappy marriages, not abusive, unhappy marriages, will become happy within five years if people will stick with it and stay married. And it, you wanna know what helps keep it together during those rough patches? You wanna know the secret? It's the vows. It's the vows to the commitment. It's those important words. Well, hey, I'm not sure where you're at this morning, but you need to know that God hasn't moved away. Now, we fail, we sin, but, but God keeps his promises. He's so steady. He keeps his vows. You can't shake them. If you're struggling, the way in which you can regain that loving feeling is to regularly spend time together. It works in a marriage, it works in a church. 
Remain faithful by keeping your commitment. It's key. Here's another, communication. We all get this. We all know how important this is, the give and the take. We have to talk and we have to listen. It's back and forth. And I'll tell you, there's so much of that going on in a worship service. And I want to quickly run through a typical Sunday setting. It starts pretty early on. In this church, we begin by going back to our vows. We declare the important words of the Apostles' Creed. But these vows are a little different because they're not about you know, what we're gonna do and what we've done and all that. No, this public statement is all about God and who he is and what he has done and what he is doing and what he will do. These words are so important and so is what follows right after that. Confession and forgiveness. Because we need to clear the air when we come into the house, right? It, just like in real life, when you've messed up, you don't just walk in the door, you kind of walk in the door like, I gotta get something off my chest, I gotta say something. We're not gonna get very far in this relationship unless I own up to something. See, we need to get honest so that the argument can stop. We need to own up to it and we say, we haven't loved you the way we should. Mm. I didn't do what you asked me to do. I wanted to, and then I just blew it off. I forgot. I failed. Forgive me. That's what we say. And, and then we listen. It's absolution. And God comes to us, and he speaks mercy upon us. He speaks forgiveness upon us, and then we're forgiven, right? The past is done. Forgiven and forgotten. And so then, what's next? Then, now it's our turn. We respond back to that forgiveness by doing what? Well, we sing. Yeah, we sing his praises. We express our love. We express our thankfulness. We give him the glory. We honor him. We sing, how great, how awesome are you? I love the way we do it here. We even clap for God. I love that. We're not clapping for Greg, although he's awesome. We're not clapping for anybody else. We're clapping for God. Yeah, thank you, God. If you watch football, there's going to be billions of people clapping. For a, and I love football. I love it. I'm going to watch every game I can, if my wife will let me. No, I'm just joking. She, and there's going to be so much clapping for one, for one another, and that's cool. Don't ever feel bad about clapping for God. He's worthy of our praise. So we, we express the love. That's all we're doing. We're expressing our thankfulness, and then we do some listening. We listen to God's word, and we hear the law, and we need to hear the law. We need to hear what God's looking for in this relationship, how we can do it right, how we can do it better, because we don't want to be clueless. We don't want to take it for granted. We want to know what's the best way to go. We want to work at the relationship and give it our best, because it matters. And so the law is necessary, and the law is good, but it's never the last word. Oh no, the gospel is where it's at. The gospel is what's known as good news, specifically the good news about Jesus. See, the law tells us that we sin and we deserve to get kicked out. We deserve an eternal separation from God. It's hell is what it is. 
That's the fallout, but that's not what we get. We get grace, we get kindness, we get eternal life. Jesus would do anything for his bride, and he did. He laid down his life for his bride, went to the cross and paid for all of her sins, every last one of them, and then, that's, that's one half of it. All the bad stuff is taken away. That's half, and now the second half, get this, we receive his righteousness, meaning this. We get his stuff. We married really, really well. We get his stuff. We're with him the gospel, we need to hear it again and again and again and again, because the gospel changes lives. You can nag and nag and nag and nag and nag and nag and nag, and guess what, it don't work. And if it does work, it don't last long. But the gospel works every time. Forgiveness works, love works. It's what changes people. It changes bitter people and over, over time, maybe a little at a time, it changes them into joyful people. It changes greedy people who are only thinking about themselves and a little over time, a little more and more, and it changes them into generous people. And it, and it changes people, maybe a little at a time, they're hard-hearted. And it changes people, it softens people up and they become tender-hearted. The gospel, we need it week in, week out. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, baptism, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, without wrinkle, without any other blemish, but holy, and get this, Blameless, blameless, without blame at all. Do you see yourself that way? Holy and blameless, the groom desperately wants you to. Oh, if you could see you the way God sees you, oh, it would change your life. If you could see you the way Jesus sees you, oh, nothing would stop you. If you could see you the way Jesus sees you, oh, you wouldn't have to worry about nothing anymore. He wants you to know and believe that you are loved, cherished, incredibly valuable in his sight. You're not a one-cow wife. You're not a two-cow wife. You are an eight-cow wife. Believe it. You don't know what I'm talking about, and that's okay. Pastor Ed Young Sr., he explains it all in a great little book called The Ten Commandments of Marriage. If you haven't done so already, do so. Text us low if you're interested in marriage. But Texas is slow anyway, that's great. We can keep tabs on him. 
But in this book, I mean, it's just a fun little book. I'll give you the first commandment. Thou shall not be a selfish pig. It's really practical, you know? I like that. It's good stuff. Anyway, in this book, he tells this story. Years ago, I read an article about an American who visited a group of South Pacific Islands. And everywhere the man went, he would hear the islanders talking about this guy named Johnny Lingo. Cool name. Whatever he wanted to do, from going fishing to buying pearls, the people would tell him that Johnny Lingo was the man to see. It seemed that whatever this guy's question was, Johnny Lingo was the answer. He did notice one odd thing, though. That whenever the islanders would brag up Johnny Lingo and describe his talents, they'd also kind of chuckle amongst themselves and they'd give each other a kind of a wink. After a while, the visitor began to wonder if he's such a you know, great guy, then what's the joke? Yet no one would divulge the secret. And finally, a local man decided to give the writer the inside scoop on the island's favorite son, Johnny Lingo. Well, the custom among Johnny's people was for a suitor to buy a wife by offering the father cows in payment. One or two cows might buy a plain wife, but a five-cow wife was almost unheard of, a real beauty. Well, Johnny was rich, the man said, but he had paid eight cows for his wife. Much, much too much. Sarita, the bride, was plain, the man exclaimed. And she was skinny, and she walked with hunched shoulders and her bowed head. She was scared of her own shadow. He grinned, and he told the American that we have never been able to figure out how Johnny Lingo, the sharpest trader in all the islands, somehow was tricked into paying her father, old Sam Carew, eight cows for a one or a two cow bride. Well, the story so intrigued the visitor that he made an appointment to visit Johnny Lingo in person. And when they met, Johnny showed his guest great hospitality. Uh, they talked a while before the guest finally asked about the unusually high payment for Johnny's wife. Always and forever, Johnny replied. When they speak of marriage settlements, it will be remembered that Johnny Lingo paid eight cows for Sarita. Just then, a stunningly beautiful woman walked into the room, the most gorgeous woman that the writer had ever seen. Every inch of her striking frame exuded loveliness, the tilt of her head, the confident way she walked, her smile and her radiance. And Johnny looked at his puzzled visitor. And then he said, many things can change a woman. Things that happen inside and things that happen outside. But the thing that matters most is what she thinks about herself. Before we met, Sarita believed that she was worth nothing. Now she knows she is worth more than any other woman on the islands. See, Johnny communicated to everybody else, loud and clear, 
that he loved his bride. He loved Serena and was proud to make her his bride always and forever. Well, that is nothing. The same holds true for us all the more. Jesus paid, paid for you with his very life. He gave up his life for you. With his blood, he bought you. He gave himself up. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one's ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. He feeds and he cares for it. Yes, he does. Call it the Lord's Supper, call it Holy Communion, but it is the ultimate communication. His words are so important. Our Lord says, I love you. I love you, I forgive you. We are in this together no matter what. I promise always and forever. As Lutheran Christians, we believe Jesus' words as is. This is my body, this is my blood, meaning the Lord's physical body and his physical blood are somehow, some way, supernaturally, in, with, and under the bread and wine that we take into our own bodies. And Paul was right. This is a profound mystery. It's intimacy is what it is. Words are so important, and so is action. <laughs> the man will be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. In this union, we are one with Christ, and we are one with one another, for we are members of his body. Communion is the closest that we will get to Jesus this side of heaven, and so it is to be treated as, as holy and as special and reserved for only those who have been cleansed through baptism, meaning they're in a covenant relationship with him. And we do this, yeah, so we get forgiven and so we get loved, but we also do this because we say we wanna remember. We wanna remember. We're not gonna take it for granted. We want to keep our vows. We want to hold on to this relationship. We want to remember, and we're to connect in this way often. It's good for a church. It's good for a marriage. There's so many blessings, and there's so many benefits. I can go on and on and on and on, but here's, here's the thing. Time's up. Time's up. And that happens, doesn't it? It does. They say, 
that if you do it right, you keep your commitment. Love and you serve. You enjoy the relationship. You know what's going to happen? It's going to go by way too fast. And time will be up before you know it. So make today matter.